What's up, guys? Max here back with another episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. I hope you're all doing well out there. It's Sunday back in the United States. I want to say what's up to everybody in the chat. We got Nuggets, Eric, Ed, Harry Lime Pie, John Franco, who's enjoying a beer after a long weekend. H-N-A-U, H-N-A-U, Game Hopes. Welcome back. It's great to see you in the chat, Game Hopes. We've got Chris Hernandez. We've got Eviana. Thanks for stopping by. If you can't stay long even, I appreciate it. And I want to say what's up to Rambo who, as we speak, is probably on his way to Paris Island for Marine Corps boot camp. So congratulations to him. Like I said, I hope you're all doing great. And uh, I am. It's been a long weekend for me, too, uh, John. I want to let you know that Friday night, after, um, after I checked off with you guys, I went out, went for a run, hung out. That night, we're sponsoring somebody. So one thing in the military that uh, I have actually a great story about this from my first command. One thing in the military that we always do is when you check into a new command, you have a sponsor, or at least you're supposed to. That sponsor is responsible for answering all your questions, helping you navigate your your check-in to your new command, make sure you know where to go, make sure you have a place to stay if you're not familiar with the city, make sure you're able to get groceries and all that stuff. And it's even more important than ever with you know, robbing and COVID and all that stuff. Alex J, what's up? Hey, really quick note for Alex. You uh, dropped a comment about a song on on the last video and I listened to it like a hundred times because I love it so much. Thank you for sharing that with me. Well, when I went back to go tell you that in a comment, I couldn't find your original comment. I don't know if something was glitching on my end or whatever, but thank you for recommending that song to me. If you want to drop it in the comments here and share it with everybody, incredible song, very moving, uh, just absolutely great. So thank you for sharing that with me. So, uh, I had, I have a great story about my first sponsor on my first command, but I'll save that for another time. We got to the airport out here in Okinawa, 11 PM, 2300 Friday night. We drove away from the airport zero to 30. We were out there for three hours waiting for, uh, the air crew to unload the bags from the it was a civilian airliner. It's been contracted by the military that fly, fly to, flew into Kadena Air Force Base and dropped everybody off. And it took hours to get the bags unloaded. Oh my gosh. It was brutal. So it was a long night for us, but it's all worth it because that's how you take care of your shipmate, your battle buddy, whatever it is, your devil dog, whatever it is, uh, you take care of the team and that's how it goes. So we had a great sponsor when we got here, hooked us up. And, uh, and I, I hope that we get that at our next command too. And you got to pay it forward. And when you got to take care of a sponsor that you got Harry, Harry Lion Pie says Paris Island, heat, humidity, swamps. Yes. Nuggets. I, I for some reason I'm blanking on the name of song right now, even though I listened to it like all weekend, but, uh, Alex will drop it in the comments. Alex will hook it up. So, and if not, then I will, I will find it. Good old Omni Air International. Sounds about right. Yep. Sounds as stressful as my day. Yeah. Sorry to hear that game hopes. It was, uh, it was a long night. I don't know why, but I was like super energized. Cheese Neek. Cheese Neek, you got to email me. You got to email me so I can take care of you, hook you up with a shirt. Please email me at thescuttlebuttshow@gmail.com. It's linked in the description down below. I've got, uh, I've got so many stories. We've got to catch up on the news over the weekend. So much to go over. I don't even know if we're going to have time for it all, to be totally honest. And we will be doing Battlefield for part three after immediately after this. So immediately after this, I'm going to change, get Battlefield set up, and uh, and we're going to do that. What's up, Yeet? Welcome to the chat. Yeet, Yeet. Eric says, I did the SEAL swim portion of the PST today. I've been swimming for the last month and a half. I swam at 1140. Still have a while to drop it, but just happy to be passing it. Yep, that's passing. Hey, you got all you got to do is pass it. You got to pass it on the day of, right? So make sure when you're training for each portion, 
You're doing it exactly how you're going to do it in real life. So when you're doing a run, make sure you're in boots and pants. Make sure, and you would help, you know what would help you even more is if when you start your your test, when you're testing, make sure you do a little exer- exercise before you even begin, okay? So do some exercise, then do the PRT. Because on the day that you do it, at, if you go into SEAL training, you might not be so fresh. I'm just saying. You want to be make sure you can pass that thing with your eyes closed. You want to be able to pass that PST totally tired already to start with, okay? That's what I'm telling you. And uh, and throw in some extra exercise in between sets. Like after you do the push-ups, do some, do some uh, you know, burpees, and then do the sit-ups, and then do some burpees, then do the pull-ups, something like that. So anyway, we can talk more about that on a Q&A episode. But like I was saying, there's so many stories to go over. Uh, I got to get right into them. So let's go ahead and jump right into today's first story, which is totally insane. Sailor charged with arson in Bonham Richard fire claims he's innocent. And there's some interesting stuff going on here with this too. MC says 2018 and catch a vibe. We're playing all week. And I'm yes. Oh yes. Me too. Glad you enjoyed it for anyone who's interested. The song is called. I was only 19. Yes. I was only 19. I, that's like the chorus. I don't know why I couldn't think of it. I was only 19 from uh, out of Australia, the Australian military. And it's in, it's a uh, set to, you know, scenes of Vietnam and it's great. It's great. So you guys remember we covered this in depth, in depth about the Bonham Richard fire where the ship was burned so badly. We showed pictures of it on the show, everything. And the ship's decommissioned now. There is no more USS Bonham Richard. The BHR, the Bonnie D, it is, uh, it's done. It's, it's sunk. There is no more ship. A junior sailor charged with arson in connection with the fire aboard the Bonham Richard last summer insists that he's innocent and is currently out of jail ahead of a trial. So he is going to go to trial for this court-martial, but he's not in jail right now. He's actually at work. I'm going to tell you guys more about that here in a minute. On Thursday, the Navy announced that it had charged the sailor in connection with the conflagration, which is another name for a fire on board the ship, that began July 12, 2020 in the ship's deep V lower cargo hold. The blaze lasted for four days, four days, and burned more than 1,200 degrees Fahrenheit. There were injuries among firefighters. There was even COVID spread among firefighters because they had to share gear. The incident is considered the Navy's worst U.S. warship fire outside of combat in recent history. And, you know, even in even in deployment-type scenario like the USS Forrestal, uh, there have been, there have been, you know, less disastrous incidents. And Forrestal had missiles going off on the flight deck. And that was less disastrous than this. Navy leaders announced in November, four months after Blaze, that the Bonham Richard would be scrapped after determining it would take at least $2.5 billion in five years to fix it. The ship was dismantled beginning April 15th. Although the Navy has not publicly named the sailor, I'm surprised nobody's come out and just outed the person. Commander Sean Robertson, spokesman for the Navy's third fleet based in San Diego, told military.com on Friday that the male sailor, who's an E-2, you make bad choices when you're an E-2, is facing charges under Article 110, wrongful hazarding of a vessel, and Article 126, aggravated arson. So they're calling it arson. Aggravated arson, which means it wasn't an accident, which means this guy set fire to the ship. The defense attorney for the sailor said that his client is adamant that he's not guilty of anything that he's been charged with. He maintains his innocent innocence. And not only is the sailor not in a brig, he's currently performing his duties on a daily basis, currently assigned to an amphibious squadron command in San Diego. So what does that mean? I think if I had to guess, this person is definitely on some kind of administrative hold. What's happening here is they are going to work every day and given menial tasks like stripping wax floors, high dust, mopping, you know, gopher for things, probably mustering four, five, six times a day. 
as for Larry, not about the death on the Forrestal, which I didn't mean to minimize, but I mean, as far as, uh, the cost to the Navy and damage to the ship. So, uh, the Forrestal was a huge tragedy. I don't mean to minimize it, but I mean like that, as far as the cost to the Navy and the damage to the ship that this fire caused, there's been less damage done by actual attacks on ships. And that was just one, maybe that was a bad example. Um, to my knowledge, his attorney says there's no reason and there's no intent to put him back into the brig. Robertson said that what a timeline for any trial is not yet available. A preliminary hearing is the next step. And like I said, this person's not in jail. Gunrunner, what's up? Jay Honey, what's up? Game Hopes, have a great night. Get some rest. I hope you're uh, doing well. Hang in there and hit me up if you need to talk or anything. The accused sailor spoke with investigators shortly after the fire was confined to the Marine Corps station. The, the accused sailor spoke with investigators shortly after the fire and was confined to the Marine Corps Air Station Miramar Brig for several months late last year before being released. So he was confined for several months. So they've had this guy for a long time. None of the charges, news of the charges does not signal any change in the release of the now completed command investigation into the blaze. That's from Lieutenant Katie Diener, a Navy spokeswoman. The report is still undergoing command review and will be released later this summer. So we're going to get a whole report on this thing. I'll cover it when it comes out. It's so crazy that uh, they've had this dude in the brig. They kept that pretty under wraps, don't you guys think? Didn't they do a good job not kind of leaking that information? I feel like uh, bravo Zulu to the PR department out there because I thought that they were still waiting to see if they were going to charge anybody. It just dropped last, uh, last, what was it, last week that they had arrested somebody. So they finally announced that, but apparently they had him in uh, custody for a long time. So they did, a, they did well keeping that under wraps. What do you guys think? If this sailor is found guilty of arson for the fire that ended up decommissioning the bottom of shard, what should the punishment be? Let me know in the comments. Let's see. The forest, forest fire was still active in my day. Unrepped her a couple of times. Oh, wow. Crazy. Uh, Gunner. Sorry, Gunny, what's up? Uh, Gunrunner, did you come from Chris Gass's channel? Tell me about yourself. I like to get to know everybody in the chat over here. I like to get to know the people who come to the chat. So welcome to the show. Ed says, I just came back from riding a bike. That's nice, Ed, for exercise purposes or just casual kind of enjoyment of a nice outside bike ride. Um, I haven't ridden a bike in a long time, but it's nice to get out on the one wheel every once in a while. And if you guys want more one wheeling around Okinawa, let me know. I feel like everyone did. So we can do more outings. Maybe this week will, oh, by the way, you guys, let me tell you now. This week is going to start what is going to be 10 or so days of a very aggressive schedule for me because my wife is going out of town. So she's leaving Wednesday, my time, Okinawa time. And the show on Wednesday will be different, scheduled differently because I'm going to have to take her to the airport. And as soon as she leaves, I plan on doing a lot of streaming and content creation to keep myself busy. So stay tuned for, it'll be early morning streams, your time, nighttime streams, my time. Maybe we'll do some uh, enjoying some, you know, cocktails time. We'll do some more gaming. I have a lot of videos planned I want to make for you. I want to share with you some of the special projects I've been working on for the channel, which I'll live stream myself working on. So much stuff. So much stuff. From Chris Cass's channel, just some Army weirdo checking in on the Navy. Gunrunner. Okay, cool. Good to go. Army weirdo checking in on the Navy. Well, if you're into Army news, you're in the right place. Party at Max's house is right. I want to get AO Nixo over here, throw down on some Orions, and just uh, and stream and have a good time. Undesignated E1 for life, Justin says. 
KP duty six months out of the year. Uh, that would be pretty bad punishment, actually. And, kind, and, and in a way, it would be very just for the Navy because they would get their money back. And because they wouldn't pay him. Obviously, they wouldn't pay him. But he would just burn down every ship he goes on. This dude would just start burning down. This guy is the ship fire starter. The gaming vids are doing good. Awesome. Thank you. I agree. I agree, Cheese. And, uh, and we'll be doing Battlefield 4 after, immediately after this show today. So we got to keep on running. We got to keep on going. So is on the bottom of the ocean. Nuggets is killing it with the comments. We've got to keep moving because there's so many stories today. Uh, it's going to be tough to even get through them all. Army says drowning wasn't the cause of Green Beret's death, retracting prior claim. So it's always great when the PR department has to walk something back, right? We've got, you know, the breaking news of the Army Sergeant Green Beret who, who died during dive training. And I'm going to share with you guys some stuff that I've heard about Special Forces dive training as we cover this story. So here's the picture of Staff Sergeant Micah Walker, who I don't, I, I don't, I don't know him or anything like that, but uh, it's very sad to hear that this happened. Staff Sergeant E6 in the Army. Investigators have ruled out drowning as the cause of death for a Green Beret who died while training Tuesday at the Special Forces Underwater Operations School in Key West, Florida, contradicting the Army's first reports on the death. Staff Sergeant Michael Walker, he's, he was 31 years old, 10th Special Forces Group out of Colorado, was taking part in dive training when he died at Naval Air Station Key West, which is horrible. The Army Combat Readiness Center, which sent a team to investigate Walker's death, initially described the accident as a drowning mishap. On Friday, the Combat Readiness Center issued another release saying that was incorrect. That's not good. That's never good. That's why officials usually do a good job of staying quiet until they have all the information. But when you release information too soon, you tend to get stuff wrong. While a comprehensive investigation of the incident continues, drowning has been ruled out as a cause of death, although he did die in the pool during an extremely difficult PT session is what it sounds like. He had a wife and three children, which is just extremely sad. Micah was an exceptional special forces operator, a loving husband and father will grieve with the family and stand ready to honor Micah's service and legacy. That's from Commander Colonel Lucas Van Antwerp from the group commander. The Army's John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center and School, or SWCS, SWIX, said in a Wednesday release that Walker was a student in the Special Forces Combat Diver Qualification Course and was taking part in a strenuous conditioning exercise in the pool on Tuesday. He was probably already fatigued. He went below the water and did not come back up. He was found unresponsive, and he never recovered from that. So what I'll add to this is that the rumors that I've heard, uh, you know, I've never been actually in person seeing the Army's dive school, but what I've heard from people who've graduated it and people who kind of are in the special forces community is that Army dive school is unnecessarily difficult for Green Berets. For some reason, and the way it's been described to me is, all the things that make it so difficult don't make the soldiers better divers. Like it's just basically a beatdown for the entire length of the school. And and the Army Green Beret Dive School is like a rite of passage uh, for guys to go through. And if you make it to a dive team, it's known as being one of the most difficult, challenging, brutal uh, qualifications that a Green Beret can get. And I've heard stories of people just getting beat to hell out there as far as PT goes and just doing stupid, ridiculous uh, training that ultimately doesn't have a lot to do with making you a more proficient diver is how I've heard it. This is just what I've heard. And I, I want to reiterate, this is just what I've heard. I don't know this from personal experience, but I've heard it from Green Berets and I've heard it from Green Berets who've gone to the course. So I'll leave it at that. So I guess this would, uh, 
I guess this would make you make me wonder if the army will revisit like why that school is the way that it is. Uh, maybe it doesn't have to be so difficult or like doesn't have to be such a gut check, I guess, kind of like what you would imagine um, uh, special forces assessment and selection is like. But in reality, they, these guys have already been through that. They've already proven that they're tough. So I don't see why you got to beat them to death in, uh, in dive training. You know, I don't, I, I never really quite got it. I've never had to explain to me well, but it is sad to see whenever somebody dies in training. We covered last year, the SEAL candidate died in the pool uh, competency or it might've been pool competency. might've been something else in like earlier in training, but died in the pool in Coronado. And once you mix water in with training, everything becomes a lot more dangerous. Uh, significantly more dangerous. So, you know, I'm sorry to hear about the passing of that student. And I wonder if the army needs to take a look at why special forces dive school is so brutal for guys to go through it. Nugget says this stream started off more sad than 2020. All it's going to get better. It was mandatory for us to talk about army fatal accidents. When I was at basic leaders course, I graduated yesterday. Oh, congrats on graduating, uh, graduating. Congratulations. I, I, I said, graduating, like congratulations and graduating combined. Drill Sergeant, blub, blub, don't understand, blub, blub, how drown proofing, blub, blub, will defeat, blub, blub, Al-Qaeda, blub, blub. Uh, <laughs> uh, nuggets. Uh, classic Nuggets. So we're not going to keep it all negative today because Nuggets will be too sad. Uh, we have some positive stories to cover too. We just have nonstop stories. That's what SWT Switty did after the crash in Fallon revisited unnecessary and dangerous stressors they would place on us. That's good, Justin. I feel like that's the... That's one of the main things that like really tough training needs to do is go, including buds too. And I've heard, you know, leadership over at BTC or, or buds talk about this, which is, is it necessary to get so many people hurt in training? Is it necessary to make the training in such a way that so many people are going to get hurt that you're going to lose the right people due to unnecessary injuries? So you're going to lose good people due to unnecessary injuries that are a result of making the training as difficult as, and dangerous as possible in order to get people to quit because it's too hard. And in the process, you lose good people. It's a great question. It's a really good question. Did you hear about the dude that died at rescue swimmer school a few months ago? Yes, you went to his memorial. We covered that a lot on the show. We covered that a lot on the show. Dank Engine, I haven't kept up with much, but is the USA completely withdrawn from Afghanistan? Or is that still in progress? Well... The United States will never be completely withdrawn from Afghanistan because we will always have an embassy. We'll always have international interests over there. But as far as the combat operations missions over there, yeah, I believe the United States is completely withdrawn from Afghanistan. Is it necessary to hurt people in training? That's the question, Nuggets. That's the question. The Marines, colon, yes. <laughs> That's the question. Is it necessary to hurt people in training? I mean, they don't go out and hurt people but it's well known that people are going to get hurt. It's built into the program. How many people are going to get hurt? So that's the question. That's a great question. Hometown hero, sort of. Shout out to Little John. Yes, Justin, we need to probably do a, a special little uh, story about that. We've, we covered it on the show when it happened, but a, a naval rescue swimmer who died in a very preventable accident, the anniversary of that was just this weekend, died in a very preventable accident, um, and it, there's a lot of things to cover about that. And we'll try to do that sometime this week, hopefully. Um, weed out the weak. That's the thing. It weeds out the strong too. It weeds out the strong. 
Here's an example. I was just watching a video the other night. Uh, it was a Navy SEAL talking about training, and he was talking about doing a log carry, and somebody on the log, or somebody on the log, maybe uh, several people were struggling. Somebody fell, the log fell, and it broke the leg of probably the strongest person on the, on the team, on the crew. So because one weaker person, or maybe not weaker, but they just fell, it caused somebody who's really good, really strong, potentially could have made it through the program, a broken leg. So is that good? I don't know. They always say the risk assessment is low. I've heard the Air Force basic training is hard due to only getting to stay in the three-star hotels rather than five-star hotels. The Air Force is struggling. That's why no joke, and this is not an exaggeration, this is not a joke, in Afghanistan, the Air Force people that we were out there with were getting more money than the rest of us because the substandard living allowance. Because the housing was not adequate. So they were getting more money than the rest of us for living in the same building. You should have a key bind with the 80s action theme song with every hometown hero story. It's the final countdown. Here we go. Sailors save driver from burning vehicle after it crashed into gate. So you guys can see this video right here. We've got uh, some master at arms. Master at arms whose whole life revolves around protecting that gate. The master at arms mission to defend these gates. At 3.15 a.m., this vehicle right here on the center of your screen crashes into the stanchions out there. Doesn't say why. Doesn't say if it was a DUI or whatever. Bursts into flames. And an MA3 bursts into action. When a car bursts into flames, the master at arms burst into action. I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that. So they run up there. They pull this driver out of this car. Look at that. Things engulfed in flames. Emergency services show up. The fire department shows up. This has got to be a very harrowing experience for them. Look at that. That thing must be burning up. The driver was taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. It says, no joke. Running to, into fire is no joke at all whatsoever. But look how quickly they're able to extinguish the fire. It says here, the car, the car crash obtained by Navy Times video shows the car jammed awkwardly into the crash site and smoking continue, ominously. The smoke continues to billow as a watch team arrived on scene to prepare the gate for its 4 a.m. opening. The video footage shows the smoke increasing and the vehicle bursts into flames. MA, MA2, MA2, May Miles, who quickly pulled the driver from the vehicle and dragged the individual to a safe distance. Another watch team member, MA1 Blazer, approached the burning car and made sure no one else was inside. Two petty officers and a master arm seaman, Giselle Ochoa, then provided aid to the motorist until first responders arrived. The driver was not identified, was taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The police records show no calls for service at the location, time, and date, so it remains unclear whether the driver faced any charges. Just Bravo Zulu to them. Got to give them a shout out. Got to give them a Bravo Zulu. Just a nice little story out of the Navy there in Virginia. It's, uh, it's always good. And we can highlight something good that the Navy's doing. Always a good day. Retitled news story. Sailor goes Hulk mode and rips open car door to save person. Have you heard about the Russian moving tanks near the Afghan border? Any news about that? Yeah, I've heard about that. I think uh, instead of a Russian-Afghan war part two, I feel like we're looking at a Russian-Afghan alliance. In the in the absence of uh, in the absence of the United States, Russia moves in and finally aligns their interests in Afghanistan with maybe the Taliban, something like that. Not good. But somebody asked me on a stream last week, "What's the next war that America is going to enter?" And I said Afghanistan. Uh, and that's just because I felt foolish when I thought there was no way we we're going back into Iraq, and then there we are. I remember a very good buddy of mine. 
Very good friend of mine checks into the command I was at, and he was a retour. So he had been at the command before, and he came back. And somebody said, hey, how did they get you to come back to this command? And he goes, they promised we weren't going back to Iraq. And guess what he was doing a month later? Deploying to Iraq. <laughs> so it's just, I mean, what are you going to do? It's just too predictable at this point. Nice to hear some good news for once. Let's see. We got those briefs when I was in Poland. Yeah, I did hear about that. Do you run towards the smoke or run away? Is that a, a hypothetical question, a rhetorical question? Oh, crap. In five days, it's going to be the 10th anniversary of Extortion 17. Yep. Sadly, to put him back in the car after he was unable to produce ID during a 100% ID check. <laughs> yes, that's so funny. I, that, should be, that should be the final part of that story. Sadly, though, the sailor did not have a valid ID card, so they put him back in the car. Yes, that's very funny. Thank you for that. Oh, wow. This doesn't seem good at all. Yeah, I agree. It does not seem good at all. Speaking of, I put on the headline for today's show, Brink of War. Why would I do that? U.S. Navy says suspected Iranian drone strike hit oil tanker off of Oman, killing two. So I really wanted to share this story because of how epic this guy's mustache is. This is an EOD or an or explosive ordnance disposal technician, Ethan Twos, as he walks across the flight deck to head out to that oil platform after it had been hit. U.S. Navy explosive experts believe a drone strike, and they're calling it a suicide drone. Kamikaze drone targeted an oil tanker that came under attack off the coast of Oman in the Arabian Sea, killed two on board. The strike Thursday night on oil tanker Mercer Street marks the first known fatal attack after years of assaults on commercial shipping in the region linked to tensions with Iran over its tattered nuclear deal. While no one has claimed responsibility for the attack, Israeli officials alleged Tehran launched the drone strike. While Iran did not directly acknowledge the attack, the strike comes as Tehran now appears poised to take an even tougher approach with the West as the country prepares to inaugurate a hardline protege of Supreme Leader Ayatollah Khomeini as president. The American nuclear-powered aircraft carrier USS Ronald Reagan, let's go, CVN-76, and the guided missile destroyer USS Mitchell were escorting the Mercer Street as it headed to a safe port. U.S. Navy explosive experts are aboard there is no additional danger to the crew and are prepared to support an investigation into the attack. Initial indications clearly point to a drone-style attack. Fifth Fleet did not explain how it determined a drone caused the damage, though it described its explosive experts finding clear visual evidence that an attack had occurred. Probably pretty easy to look at a hole in the ship and, uh, and remnants of a blast or what kind of blast it was and figure out what happened. Let's see, this photo provided by the U.S. Navy sailors assigned to an EOD ordnance unit aboard an MH-60 Sierra. Shout out to Justin Seahawk helicopter on the flight deck of the USS Ronald Reagan to head to an oil tanker that was attacked off the coast of Oman in the Arabian Sea on July 30th. An attack on an oil tanker linked to an Israeli billionaire killed two members off Oman in the Arabian Sea. Iran's always trying to creep in when there's an opportunity in the Middle East. They were trying to creep into Iraq. I'm sure they're going to continue to try to creep in as the United States moves away. And who knows what this means with an aggress, another aggression on Israel or on Israeli property that ended up with two deaths. And that's just an oil tanker, civilian oil tanker. Who knows? The drone attack blasted a hole through the top of the oil tanker's bridge where the captain and crew command the vessel, U.S. officials said. The Mercer Street is managed by London-based Zodiac Maritime, part of Israeli billionaire Eyal Ofer's Zodiac Group. The firm said the attack killed two, one from the U.K. and the other from Romania. So that's not good for the UK or Romania. It did not name them, nor did it describe what happened in the assault. It said to believe no other crew members were harmed. So you've got 
You've got Romanian and United and UK citizens killed in this. And if it does end up being Iran, Iran, the state responsible for it, that's citizens of the UK and, and Romania. That's not good. The Mercer Street was empty of cargo, had been heading on its way from Dar es Salaam, Tanzania to Fujara. Fujara, where Justin and I have been many times. Oh, Fujara. United Arab Emirates at the time of the attack, Zodiac Maritime said, the attack targeted the tanker just northeast of the Omani island of Mazara, over 185 miles southeast of Oman's capital, Muscat. Oman's state-run news agency late Friday described the area as beyond Omani regional waters and said its forces responded to the tanker's mayday call. That's how you cover up an attack, is you attack and then you save them. Israeli officials spoke on condition of anonymity as they weren't authorized to talk to the media, blamed Tehran for the attack. They offered no evidence to support their claim, though. Israeli Foreign Minister Yair Lapid tweeted late Friday that he spoke with the British Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab about the need to respond severely to the attack, although he stopped short of directly blaming Iran. So we'll see what they mean by responding severely. What do you guys think? What's the correct response for a state-sponsored attack on Israeli property that killed a citizen of the UK and a citizen of Romania and damaged the equipment? Other Israeli-linked ships have been targeted in recent months as well amid a shadow war between the two nations with Israeli officials blaming the Islamic Republic for the assaults. So there's been a lot of assaults on oil platforms recently, and, and I know that for sure the Navy trains a lot on oil platform response. So there's a lot of that, um, a lot of that training going on. And maybe that's in preparation for something like this. Maybe oil platforms are going to be the next stepping stone to a conflict with another country. So are we going to go to war with Iran? Maybe it's hard to say. Nugget says, I don't think we're going to war. They nuked and Ain al-Assad and we were like, eh, reasonable reaction makes sense. 60s always taking care of business. Yep. 60s always hand. I wonder what squadron that was. I didn't see. Did anybody happen to see? Damn. Now I'm wondering if I should sign back up and leave my comfy EAS life with Twinkies and whiskey only to miss this war too. After the long admin process, grumpy, grumpy. You're sounding extra grumpy today. Um, Hey, you know, it's, I was having this thought this weekend that it's weird to think it almost feels wrong that we might not be in, in conflict. Send in Mossad. It almost, send in the Zohan. It almost feels weird that we might not be in, in combat. Like the United States is not in combat with anybody. Is that okay? Are we allowed to not be in combat? Like, well, then what's our military doing? We got to, wait, hey, this is, this is racking my brain right now. Like, how can we not be in combat? How does that work? Which is a weird thing to think, but that's a, uh, that's a thought I had this weekend. We got a couple sad stories, a couple sad stories we got to cover. Uh, and then before we get to something positive to end it for, for Justin, do that for Justin. Um, this next one, as we go, I want you guys in the comments to let me know if you know anything about this. If not, don't worry. I'm going to fill you in. But tell me if you've ever heard of this. We've got civilian contractor charged in newlywed Keesler Airman's death was impaired by Kratom, FBI report says. Kratom. If you've ever heard of Kratom, let me know in the comments. So you're, what you're looking at your screen here, if you're listening on YouTube, uh, if you're listening on the podcast, we've got an airman in uniform here. U.S. Air Force Airman Daniel Germanis was assigned to the 336 training squadron, but now, unfortunately, he's passed away. A civilian contractor charged in a fatal wreck that killed one airman and quickly injured three others at Keesler Air Force Base had taken the herbal supplement Kratom and had marijuana in his system at the time of the crash. 
This is just infuriating to me. And this is why if I ever see somebody driving under the influence, I report them because screw this. I hate this. That and other information came out in a criminal complaint against Emmett Bennett, a 24-year-old Biloxi man charged with involuntary manslaughter and operation of a vehicle while impaired, resulting in death. FBI Special Agent Haley Ivey filed a complaint. The FBI, Air, Fo- Air Force Office of Special Investigations, Air Force Security Offices, and a Biloxi Police Department handled the investigation. The FBI has jurisdiction because the wreck took place on federal land and the contractor is a civilian employee. The fatal crash that took the life of Keesler Airman Daniel Germanis, 20, happened shortly before, after 1 p.m. After 1 p.m., 1300, Wednesday after several witnesses spotted Bennett driving a Ford F-150 pickup truck erratically and speeding. They also said he was getting out of his car, talking to himself, parking it, getting out of his car, talking to himself, driving it again. Bennett later spoke to investigators and told them he had taken one shot of the herbal drug Kratom during a noon lunch break and had ingested 10 of the Kratom pills around 10 a.m. Harry Lime Pie, thank you very much. $2 super chat for a better story. Uh, there's some. There's going to be some positive ones coming. Thank you very much, Harry Lime Pie. I appreciate it. You rock. I appreciate that $2 super chat. I'll, uh, I'll keep making great content for those super chats. Kratom, which is banned in various states but not in Mississippi, is a controversial herbal supplement that supports claim is a natural cure for various illnesses and alleviates opioid withdrawal symptoms. Well, I didn't, I've never heard of Kratom. So what I did was I came over here to drugabuse.gov. What is Kratom? Kratom is a tropical tree native to Southeast Asia with leaves that contain compounds that have psychotropic mind-altering effects. Kratom is not currently an illegal substance and has been easy to order on the internet. It is sometimes sold as green powder in packets labeled not for human consumption, but is also sometimes sold as an extract or gum. What are the health effects? Nausea, itching, sweating, dry mouth, constipation, increased urination, loss of appetite, seizures, hallucinations. You could probably find that same list on Tylenol. Kratom can cause effects similar to both opioids and stimulants, which makes no sense because those things are at opposite of each other. Two compounds in Kratom leaves are mitragynine and 7-A-hydroxymitragynine. They interact with opioid receptors in the brain, producing sedation, pleasure, and decreased pain, especially when users consume large amounts of the plant. It also interacts with other receptors in the brain to produce stimulant effects. When kratom is taken in small amounts, users report increased energy, sociability, and alertness. It sounds like, you know, that white powder. It sounds like kratom. It's something you would do in the bathroom at a club. Kratom can also cause uncomfortable and sometimes dangerous side effects. Is it addictive? Like other drugs with opioid-like effects, kratom might cause dependence, which means users will feel withdrawal symptoms, such as muscle aches, insomnia, irritability, hostility, aggression, emotional changes, runny nose, and jerky movements. It says you're unlikely to overdose on it, though. I just want you guys to have all this information. And does it have values as medicine? In recent years, some people have used Kratom as an herbal alternative to medical treatment in attempts to control withdrawal symptoms and cravings caused by addiction to opioids or other addictive substances such as alcohol. There is no scientific evidence that Kratom is effective or safe for this purpose. Further research is needed. Well, here's some evidence that it's probably not good for you. It says here in this article about the airmen that federal authorities have long pushed to make the supplement a Schedule One or Two controlled substance because of its mind-altering effects. So what happened to the airman? Witnesses reported seeing Bennett acting strange prior to the incident, getting into and out of his vehicle and cursing for no apparent reason. The fatal crash occurred about a mile from where witnesses first spotted him. Should have reported him then. 
Bennett allegedly was speeding and narrowly missed another crash before his pickup truck crossed the northbound lane of Palesti Drive and struck a light pole. After that, the complaint says Bennett's vehicle hit the four airmen on the walking track. Hit the four hit four airmen on a walking track. Germanis was dragged 100 feet, and the truck stopped 180 feet from the point of impact. Jesus. It was his one-month wedding anniversary the day before. After that, Bennett got out of his vehicle, walked over to Germanis, who had been dragged by the pickup truck, and started shaking him in an attempt to wake him up. Germanis, who celebrated his one-month wedding anniversary two days before, sorry, two days before, died at the Kiesler Medical Center. After the incident, they performed a sobriety test on him, which he was nodding off at first, but then popped to you all energetic and excited. This is what they think was the result of the kratom, some kind of stimulant. So this is just a tragedy all around, an absolute disaster. I mean... You'd probably know where I stand on this, being the pretty harsh person that I am. Life in prison for this guy. Death penalty. What's the worst you can get? In my opinion, from where I'm standing, if somebody is in a, causes a DUI accident and kills somebody, their life should be over. There's no, there's no coming back from that. Game over, the end, so long, do not pass go, do not interact with society ever again. Uh, this young airman, newlywed, dead. He's dead. What, what justice does he get? I say lock him up for life. Never heard of it before, Larry D says. It's always a bad way to go. The people I know who use Kratom are also addicted to cocaine. Oh, interesting, Justin. So there is something to that. There is something to that. I've only heard of it from Joe Rogan podcast, but not this story, MC says. Ah, so, so do you think Kratom is something used as an alternative to, to stimulants? That's what it sounds like. It sounds like it's something people abuse for the high and not to uh, deal with pain. That's what it sounds like to me. It's almost as dangerous to take Kratom and drive as it is to text and drive. Oh, same thing with texting and driving. If you cause a texting and driving accident, throw away the key. You kill somebody, throw away the key. I, I have no sympathy, zero. Zero sympathy. It's despicable to me. Um, here, we got to keep going to get through all the stories today, you guys. We got to keep going. Two U.S. Navy sailors... One in North Carolina and another in Idaho die of COVID-19 as cases spike nationwide. I'm sure you guys have heard of the Delta variant by now, going around, messing everybody up, getting vaccinated people and unvaccinated people. Masks are back on. Two sailors have died. One was in the reserves in, I think it was Idaho. Let's see. A Navy reservist based in Idaho and a doctor, a doctor, a captain assigned to Naval Medical Center Camp Lejeune. He was 48 years old died of COVID. A doctor. They were both in their late 40s. Their deaths are the first COVID-related ones in the Navy since April 29th. They come as a number of active virus cases among sailors has jumped from fewer than 250 to more than 800 now. So it's growing. It's going up. It's, uh, it's sad. It doesn't say anything about whether or not they were vaccinated, but it's sad to see. This is a real quick story, you guys. It's sad to see two sailors go like that, especially a captain who was a doctor at the hospital, you know, medical professional. He was an ophthalmologist, by the way, with, uh, you know, basically an eye doctor who specialized in corrective eye surgery. It's sad to see. Um, it doesn't say if they're vaccinated or anything like that. I, I think it's safe to assume they probably were. I think that the military has leaned pretty heavily on the, or maybe it's not safe to assume that. Maybe we shouldn't assume anything at all. Uh, we'll just go with, we don't know. Uh, it, we just don't know. But I'm so, I'd be surprised if a doctor working at the hospital was not vaccinated because healthcare professionals were leaning pretty heavily into the vaccine for their staff. 
I'd be surprised if they, if the doctor wasn't vaccinated, but you know, what do I even want to say about this? It's such a crazy time with the vaccine and the variants of the virus and all this stuff. I just hope everyone's taking the best care of themselves that they can and making educated choices. Just make sure you're doing your, whatever choices you're making in regards to COVID, just make sure you're educating yourself outside of, you know, social media, talk to, talk to your doctor, your own doctor, uh, a healthcare professional, somebody don't be getting all your advice from Facebook and YouTube. And, and I would encourage the government to do a better job and the news to do a better job of spreading information because it's just terrible. I just remember a few weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, hearing on the news that the Delta variants never come into the United States. It's nothing to worry about. There's no reason to think restrictions will come back. It was on all news, on all news channels. Don't worry. Just like the original COVID. They were like, don't worry about it. It's not, not a big deal. It's never coming to the U.S. I've said this before on the show. The only answer that anybody could tell me about COVID that I'm, that I'm believing is if they say, we don't really know. That's the only answer that's worth believing is the we don't really know and won't know for a long time anything about it. So unless somebody's saying that, I don't take anything that they're saying seriously. Anybody claiming to know the deal, to know what's up, I'm just not really listening because nobody knows. And nobody knows what's going to happen next. And nobody knows the vaccine's helping. I mean, people probably know the vaccine's helping people right now, but not in three to five years. If COVID's going to be gone, it's not. Of course it's not. It's going to last forever now. And there's going to be variant after variant. The dolphin variant's next. And of course, by that, I mean Echo. Shout out to Echo the dolphin, guys. It's just never going to end. I got my vaccine in April. John says, I feel that's the way to stay safe. I'll wear masks when needed. Lucas says something. I don't know what the heck it is, but welcome to the chat. Hello, Lucas. John, I got my vaccine back in like around that time, April, whatever. Um... Yeah, and I never got sick. And I and I did have clicky heart. You guys have heard me talk about it. I had clicky heart. I uh, I still feel I feel fine now. I still feel like the vaccine was the right choice for me. I don't know for sure that if I got COVID, I'd be fine. I don't know that. I'm not and, and if there's an easy way to just get a vaccine and not have to deal with it, too easy. Nuggets doesn't know who Echo the Dolphin is. Nuggets does not know who Echo the Dolphin is. Nuggets, that's because you're too young, my friend. And I might be too old. It's almost like 1 million people from the third world countries were running loose in the U.S. right now. That's the other thing is Delta didn't come from the United States. So now the same people who said that there would never be Delta variant in the United States are now blaming unvaccinated people for it. It just makes no sense. It's ridiculous. I just play cowboy and wear a bandana whenever I go inside. Nice. Zebra variant. All right, done talking about that for now. This video is officially flagged by YouTube. Um, have you guys been watching the Olympics? Oh my God, it's been so good. There's been so much good stuff in the Olympics. Rugby was great. All the the 100 meter dash, the 100 meter sprint last night or early this morning for you guys was awesome, epic. Totally love that. There's so much good stuff. There's so much good stuff out there going on in the Olympics. USA came in uh, second on the 100-meter sprint. So shout out to the United States for that. 
And so many tragedies too, like just watching people get tripped, watching people fall, get disqualified. Great Britain got disqualified in the 100 meter dash. Watching people just miss it by this much. It's a great thing about sports. Those great moments, those ups and downs, extremely high highs, extremely low lows. But here's a high that we can all get behind. U.S. soldier blasts through Olympic steeplechase field to qualify for the final. We covered him. We covered this soldier, Bernard Keeter, originally from Kenya, now racing for the United States. A U.S. soldier ran a personal best on the first morning of the Olympic track and field competition in Japan's capital city to qualify for the men's 3,000-meter steeplechase final. So shout out to Bernard Keeter. Totally awesome. Totally good for him. He's a specialist in the Army. If you guys don't know what the steeplechase is, because I had to look this up myself, it is, and then I watched it, and so now I know what it is. It, uh, it's basically running around the track, but there is a, a barricade that you have to jump over, and on the other side of that, there's a puddle, and then there's another barricade, and then another barricade, and then you're back to the puddle. And they jump into the puddle every time. I don't really know what the history of the steeplechase is, but it's super interesting. Uh, Bernard Keeter, 29, native of Kenya, lives in Texas now. The course on an Olympic track is studded with three-foot-high wooden barriers and 12-foot-long water obstacles. Keeter, who joined the Army in May 2016, surged through the pack from last place. We already covered his whole story on the show, so if you guys want to go back and watch that previous episode, you can listen to that. I think it was last Wednesday or Tuesday. But he's in the finals, which is a great, great accomplishment. I mean, they're running so fast. It's unbelievable. They run the 400 meter in like 50 seconds. I don't even run the 200 meter in 50 seconds. So he's going to race Monday night, I believe. It's in here. So I want to give you guys the time. The steeplechase final is scheduled for 9.15 Monday in Tokyo at the stadium. Now, I... I I'm wondering if that means 9.15, 21.15 tonight, my time out here in Japan or what. But I hope you guys get to go watch the steeplechase final and root for this uh, this uh, Keeter, this specialist, Bernard Keeter from the Army running in the finals. I'll definitely be watching. I'll definitely be rooting for him. Uh, and hopefully he brings home the gold. I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine a guy born in Kenya who moves to the United States, to Texas, who joins the Army? Brings home gold in the steeplechase. How great would that be? So we're rooting for him. Shout out to Bernard Keeter of the Army. I hope you win. Uh, Harry said, your focus off. Are, are you looking at me? And Are you saying my focus? In, it looks good to me. It looks good to me. I hope that I'm in focus. I wouldn't expect anything else from this country, but I find it funny how the U.S. put gold in most of all the shooting competitions. Hell yeah. Damn right. Men and women. Uh, because lions are fast. Yes, you have to run. What branch? Army, yes. The last Olympics I watched, Al Michaels was saying, do you believe in miracles? Yes. PT, make me go vroom. Why are Africans so good at running? That's a great question. I don't know. Uh, PT just makes me want energy drinks. <laughs> uh, okay. Take, d don't take him before. Hi, from India. Well, welcome from India. Wow, how did you find the channel? I would love to see how you found my channel, and thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in. If you're interested in military news... Uh, you've come to the right place. All right. We've got one more story today, and then we're going to wrap up today's show. It's great to be back with you guys. I'm so excited for what the next 10 days are going to bring. 
for the Scuttlebutt Show. But please make sure you're subscribed to this video. If you guys like this content, check out right below this video where it says join. You can become a member of this channel to support and help us grow. You can join Patreon. And if you join Patreon at the elite tier, you get a free t-shirt on your second month and more. All the links in the description down below. Merch like the super legit t-shirts available at scuttlebuttshow.com. All of that. Big stuff coming. Okay. And we're going to move on to our last show. Please follow me on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, at The Scuttlebutt Show. And if you are interested in joining the Discord, the link to that's in the in the description of this video. And I'm going to be posting an update to Wednesday's schedule across all the socials because we'll be streaming at a little bit of a different time. That's Tuesday, United States. Tuesday, United States time. Wednesday, my time. The stream will be at a little bit of a different time. But we are going to be busy this week. MC, $1.99 Super Chat, bringing us home. With that thumbs up, Carmen San Diego style. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you. I appreciate it. From Battlefield 2042 reaction video. Yes. Thank you for watching that. Well, if you like that, then tune in when we go live here in a few minutes after this stream ends to watch me play through Battlefield 4. So make sure you're subscribed with notifications on. Is Steeple Chase the running with water and hurdles? Yes, it is, John. See the new Jocko podcast clip, Max. Which uh, are you talking about on... Uh, on Discord, your memes are crazy. Your memes on the Discord are pretty incredible. I will say that. So I saw this and I want to share it with you guys. I wanted you guys to know about this. And we're going to watch a little video because I thought this was pretty cool. We've got, how did a ghost army fool the enemy with inflatable tanks and sound effects? Now, I've heard of this before, but I've never quite heard about this story. So this is not new. This is not brand new. This documentary came out in 2013 about the United States Army creating an inflatable battalion and marching it through Europe. But I never knew about this, this movie. I never knew about it. Even though it came out in 2013, I never knew about it. So let's watch this video of, for the Ghost Army trailer, and uh, we can do a little reaction to it and see if this is something you guys are interested in watching. One of the strangest stories of World War II. Kept secret for decades. Look at that. <laughs> oh, man. Bundle of stuff compressed before you opened the bundle spread the nozzles around and inflated it the artillery piece was good but that m4 tank that was the beauty that was a piece of work back of my half track i tell my children was the biggest boom box you ever saw but it played sounds of tanks and activity they had recordings of building a pontoon bridge or any type of bridge and you could hear him hammering away and swearing and you gotta put him cussing in there we were trying make it realistic town. go to the pub order some omelets and talk loose to be in the middle of this incredible adventure the world at war in a foreign country uh, I just had to put it down we were sleeping in hedgerows and foxholes, but nothing kept us away from going someplace to do a watercolor. 
I do love the art produced out of war. Like there's so many great pieces of art produced by soldiers after they're coming home from deployment, photographers, painters, usually pretty great stuff. So it's so crazy. These guys went out there with these inflatable tanks and this isn't like back in the United States building fake bases with shells of planes. They're going like to the front lines with this stuff. And that means that they don't really have a lot of personal protection, which is crazy courageous. We moved on up into this last grand deception. And there was nothing between us but our hopes and prayers that separated us from the Panzer Division. They're 300 yards, they're 200 yards, and suddenly you realize that's the enemy. I used to refer to us as the Cecil B. the Mill Warriors. <laughs> All right, so that's available. It says available streaming on Amazon and Netflix, but you'll have to probably figure out where to find that. It's called The Ghost Army. You'll probably have to figure out where to find it considering that it came out in 2013. But is that something you guys are interested in watching? I'm curious. Let me know in the comments. Yeet says, when you finish the Battlefield 4 campaign, you think you'll play multiplayer? Yeah, I think so. I think I'll play multiplayer. I think I will try to figure out how to do that. I've been trying to get into the multiplayer servers on Battlefield 4, but it's super glitchy on my end. It's like going to war with super soakers and uh, need guns. Yeah, nerf guns, uh, I assume you meant. It's a... Uh, Pretty terrifying. I mean, I, I don't know what happened in that story. I don't know. I don't know what happened. So I'm going to watch that doc and uh, and kind of see what they, what ends up happening with these guys and how they make it out of that situation where they come face to face with the enemy and all they have are inflatable tanks. Like the once you're the jig is up there, it's up. I mean, you're caught. So I am very curious to see what happens. That's crazy bravery that those guys show to march into battle without weapons on a deception campaign. I mean, why not just bring the weapons? <laughs> I guess maybe you can have fewer people bringing around fake stuff, but absolutely incredible. Incredible. All right, guys, what a fun show. What a fun Monday back out here for me in Okinawa, Japan, Sunday night for you guys. Thank you for tuning in. I hope everybody's having a great weekend. I hope you guys all did have a great weekend and wrap it up perfectly with a nice dose of Scuttlebutt Show to get you ready for the week. We had so many stories today. Stay tuned. Make sure you guys follow me on TikTok for the little summary of every episode. I'm having a fun time posting TikToks and all that. Make sure you guys are sharing the videos. That would be a great way to help the channel. Share the videos, invite people to come watch the live streams, all that. I'll be back with Battlefield 4 shortly. So you guys can come hang out with me there. Hella brave for using props. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. And uh, with all that being said, I'll talk to you guys very, very soon. And until then, that's the scuttlebutt.